you're listening to Jason. My name is Vapid Existentialism. No, you did that wrong, fool. You get the idea. Try it again. <laughs> this is Vapid Existentialism. I'm Jason. I'm Mike. Alright, it's been a week since the latest installment in the Star Wars franchise has hit the theaters. So we've given you enough time to watch it. And we're going to talk straight up spoilers in this. So, if you haven't seen Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, we're going to ruin it. And ruin it hard. Alright. I think it's the best Star Wars movie ever. Wow. <laughs> I put it right in the middle of the pack. So you obviously just give it a big glaring thumbs up. I really loved it. I don't know if it's the best Star Wars ever. But I wanted to use hyperbole to express that I really did enjoy it a lot. I have no real hard criticisms with it. That is strange. Because I have a lot. Maybe some minor nitpicks, but even those are very tiny. What did you think made it so good? It's not like any Star Wars movie we've seen, first of all. But it still felt like a part of the series overall. It took chances with plotting that no other Star Wars has done. It's gotten a little heavier as far as real-world consequences than any Star Wars has done. For example, we've never seen the people who profit off the endless wars in the galaxy. And this one, they, they went ahead and they threw that in there. They didn't have to. It was kind of a B-plot thing. But it was interesting to see that side of it. And I think that had more depth than any Star Wars has ever been brave enough to show. Well, I, I hate to go to bat for the prequels, but the prequels did have an entire banking clan, did it not? The if banking you say alliance, so. Or whatever they were called. I don't even know what you're talking about, so obviously it didn't sink in. <laughs> yeah. The, it was either the banking clan... <laughs> the, the Trade Federation? Guild. I don't know. Yeah, they they showed the... Uh, they sh I don't remember if they were robots or aliens. I'm going to say aliens. Uh, but they showed the people that provide the finance to keep the uh, to keep everything going. I don't remember this. And if they did, they certainly didn't do it the way they did in the Last Jedi, where they I mean they put it in your face. These look these guys well, are selling Jedi, weapons to the bad guys you, and the good guys. They showed you the backside of it. Yeah, the dirty part. And I and I've never seen a Star Wars movie get into that side of the politics. They, like, all the politics in the prequels were surface level. And boring. Yes. It's like they. Uh, it, it's like George Lucas didn't want to take the time to really go in depth or think about it too hard, so he just sort of put surface level politics there and, and very cartoonish level. Whereas this was a little more subtle. They, I mean, I mean not as subtle. <laughs> Maybe not really subtle, but it was something that would go a little over the kids' heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I liked it for that. I couldn't believe they even had that in there. Like, that Disney would be willing to go that kind of real-world analog with it. Because that's a very real-world situation thrown into this fantasy world. And it's a, a ugly side of the real world. Well, you could say that about... Iron Man? Well, you could say... <laughs> no, but I mean... You could say the same thing about the, uh, the cantina on... Most Eisley? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that was a real-world equivalent to a dive bar. Yeah. It's not 
I, I, no, I mean, there are seedy places and, uh, you know, I mean, Han Solo was a smuggler, but it just didn't, I don't know, it, it felt more real and tangible in this one when they, when they, when they introduced the character of DJ and he's going through the, through the holograms and he's like, oh, let's see what this guy sold. Oh, look, he sold to you guys too. You know, it was just very uh, kind of brutal almost takedown of the whole thing. He was his character, uh, Benicio Del Toro's character, DJ, just to me had so much real world relevance that it, it blew me away. I was like, I, I don't remember seeing this in a Star Wars movie. Plus, I mean, that's just one little thing. Like, I love the entire story that is being told with Kylo Ren and Rey and Luke and this struggle between the good and the light and that it seems to me they were taking it more in a route that the good and the the light and the dark side of the force cannot exist without one another and that maybe I don't know if this is something that they were trying to hint at or they wanted to go to in the future but maybe there's a place for people that can utilize both the light and the dark of the force maybe there's a balance that can exist within one person because ray was i guess tempted by the dark side and was able to go there but she still seemed pure at heart in the end so I don't know if that's something that they're exploring, if they're trying to go in a different direction with the Force and Force users, but I well, loved you, it. I loved all of that. If you approach it from the perspective that the that the both sides of the Force can combine, then you're basically... That movie's already been made. It's called The Dark Crystal. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's if combined is the right word, but someone who can look into the dark side of the force without being consumed by it and i think i i assume that's sort of what they were going with when she falls into the weird pit and and there's all the in rays there's all the different versions of yeah, yeah ray so i think i assume that she faced the the dark side of the force and was able to walk away from it without being like i said completely consumed by it i cannot go there with you about this being a the best Star Wars movie ever or even saying how wonderful it is for me this movie is very much like Superman Returns or X-Men The Last Stand oh well, hear me out it has a whole lot of really really good things in it which both of those other movies did and it has a whole lot of really bad things in it which both of those movies did Superman Returns has the amazing sequence where he catches the jet and lands it mm -hmm. in the baseball stadium which is great, and it has the creepy scene where he's spying on Lois Lang, which is bad. <laughs> so both of those movies were the same way, and this movie is just like that to me. For everything that's really, really good, there's something that's really, really bad. Give me an example of something that's bad, because I, I okay. cannot, like I said, I can't, there's nothing I can say that I didn't like about it. The death of Admiral Akbar, completely pointless. If they wanted to kill Admiral Akbar, they could have let him... The Laura Dern character of Vice Admiral Holdo, is that... The... Yeah, Hold, Holdo. Whatever it is. Compare, that character was completely unnecessary. They should have crossed her out. And everything that she did, Akbar should have done. And instead of Poe going on this little uh, under-the-table mission, it should it should have been authorized by Akbar as a, like a secondary thing for them 
to try to do in case the main plan didn't work out. Okay, I'll go with you that the Admiral Akbar death was, I won't say pointless. I mean, you know, characters die. A lot of characters in this movie die. Akbar cleared the table so that in the next movie some of the other characters can rise in rank. That I understand. Yeah, if they knew that Carrie Fisher was going to die, then maybe they could have written things differently and left Akbar in charge so that you would have one holdover character as the good guy on top, which you have to have. I guess, and this is a minor criticism, I, I wasn't thrilled that it seemed like Poe Dameron's kind of in charge of the rebels, well, resistance, whatever they're called now, mm-hmm. at the end of this. I wasn't super thrilled about that because of the way he's played in the movie. He's not... He's a lousy good guy in this movie. Like, the two plans that he puts into effect result in worse losses than if he had not done the things he did. Which is actually, in my opinion, a good thing about the movie because it shows that... They have flaws. They have flaws. And that, yeah... And it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird take for a Star Wars movie because the rebellious loner usually comes up with some crazy plan in the Star Wars universe and always comes out on top. Whereas in this one, the message seems to be, be a team player or you're going to get people you like killed. Because he goes out on his own twice in this and bad things happen. And I uh, that was well, this interesting is... and different. Speaking of that character, Poe Dameron, there's a Poe Dameron thing I would put in my plus category, and that would be the conversation on the radio between General Hux and Poe Dameron <laughs> at, at the, the beginning? beginning of the movie. That's that's like a, a a litmus test for the whole rest of the movie, right? Like, if yes. you like that joke, then you'll be fine with the humor and <laughs> other things that are coming. I, I liked it. A lot of people said it's too contemporary sounding or you know real world but i i I thought it was funny well the things that they did in the 70s were contemporary for the 70s yeah so why shouldn't the things from now be contemporary yeah i i agree so i the people who the people who complain about those things i think are missing the point just a little bit yeah i like rose quite a bit uh i didn't like the character or i i didn't like puppet yoda Puppet Yoda was a huge step oh, back. I liked Puppet Yoda. I was fine with it. No, I, I, I just I hate to say it because I was I was kind of on the fence about CGI. No, I think I like CGI Yoda, especially in uh, in Episode Three. But I think they uh, I think they should have gone with a CGI Yoda. And as much I I really hate to say this, the voice and I'm drawing a blank. So if you're listening, you can you probably already know where you can Google it. Whoever does the voice for Yoda on the cartoon. Oh, I, I don't know. It's a little more nuanced. It started off sounding like uh, Frank... No, not Frank. Frank Oz. Frank Oz, Oz. yeah. The, uh, the cartoon voice for Yoda, whoever it is. They started off with the Frank Oz voice, and then they modified it just enough where it lost some of the Grover qualities. But in the Force Away... Or in the, this movie, Last, Last Jedi, Jedi, all I heard was Grover. <laughs> well, I mean, it was Frank Oz, so... <laughs> but it's just... It's like Grover. All I heard was Grover. And the puppet looked horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, but on the other side, CGI Snoke, is, there is no digital. My brain is turned on. There's no un, there's no un, uncanny valley with Snoke. 
He does look incredible. When you look at Snoke, completely registers as a real thing. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. What about the meta commentary in this movie? The There's two scenes where characters are talking to Rey, but they're actually talking to the audience. <laughs> and that's Luke says to her, this is not going to turn out the way you think. And then later, Kylo Ren, after the Snoke battle, the Snoke uh, throne room battle, Kylo Ren says to her, we have to burn down the, something along the lines of we have to burn down the past to mm-hmm. make room for the future. They're talking to the audience. They're not talking to the, to the character of Rey. They're saying, this is the Star Wars going forward. We have to bury the past and move forward. What do you think of that commentary? Because that's... They're, they're very obviously... Ryan Johnson, the writer-director, was very obviously trying to take Star Wars in a different direction. Which I am fine with to a point. There are some things that... There are some things from the... Fa- there, there are characters and things from the past that should have been brought forward. Top of that list is Lando. There's no reason for Lando Calrissian not to be in this movie. Even if he showed up at the end of the movie with some with some rebels to help everybody out. Yeah, when they were cuz they were at the end they're broadcasting out for help. Yeah, yes. like if he, Lando, that would have been really cool, but Lando should have been there. And that would have been a nice callback to Star Wars when Han shows up at the end of the movie to help out. Yeah. Yeah, the the exclusion of Lando is just pointless. Especially since Billy Williams has already come back and provided voice for Star Wars Rebels. Really? Mm-hmm. And he's 80 years old now, so if you're going to get him in a movie... <laughs> do it now. you got to move while you can. Yeah, that would have been nice, but I can't I can't hold that against the, the And if movie. you're if you're going to have Force Ghost Yoda, then why not Force Ghost Anakin and Obi-Wan? Putting Ewan McGregor and Anakin, or uh, what's his name? Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Putting them in uh, age makeup and having them as Force Ghosts. Would have been a nice way, and I know most people don't want to do this because they hate the prequels, but would have been a nice way to run some connective tissue back to the prequels. Yeah, other than R2 <laughs> and C-3PO. Is this the first movie that R2 and 3PO don't share any screen time? Maybe. They have like one scene together in uh, Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, I think, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're together at all in this movie, are they? I don't think so. Did you like it when when R2 projected the old Leia? Mm-hmm. I loved that. <laughs> I did too. You know, they could have they could have done Ewan McGregor as a Force Ghost instead of Yoda. I think it would have worked just as fine and would have done the exact same thing for the story. But I, I mean, it, you know, it makes more sense to have Well, I don't want to say it makes more sense. It it makes sense either way because both Obi-Wan and Yoda had a very strong hand in training Luke, so... Well, all three of the characters appear as Force Ghosts at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So it would make sense that Luke would have continued to communicate with them until he walked away from the Jedi Order. Yes. Bringing one of the three back was kind of stupid. And if you're going to bring just one of the three back, it probably should have been Ben Kenobi. I still love it. <laughs> I'm probably gonna see it again in the theater before. I, it's I out. will. See, I will see it again. I just, you know, there was, there was a lot that I really liked, and there was a lot that I didn't like. I'm one of the. I think I'm in the category of I don't care for force projection. Luke, he, it just seemed kind of lazy. Oh, I liked it. When he's standing there and they shoot all the, 
they shoot all the lasers at him and, and they just keep shooting and keep shooting and then he's still standing there and he kind but of wipes you, his shoulder if you go that route there's no reason for jedi to leave their homes they can just force project themselves everywhere yeah but they can't kill anybody <laughs> can't really technically fight and i guess the argument is that he killed himself doing it kind of like yeah running a marathon was, and dying yeah it was it was too much for him well uh, he became one with the force yes yeah i don't know i guess we uh i guess we're not in agreement on this one no that's okay well i liked it <laughs> i have liked it <laughs> good enough if you want to tell us your opinion and tell us how much you hated the force of, or the last jedi you can email us vapidpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on the twitters at vapidpodcast bye bye